listening to the Retro Reprise podcast in association with NerdyLegion.com. Here's your host, Adam S.L. Welcome to Retro Reprise. I am Adam S.L. And today I got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we are just going to jump right into it. So uh, I'm going to start with some updates, uh, start with my mom update. So for those of you ha- who had heard the podcast called My Mom, which was a bonus podcast, um, I had explained a lot. So if this is your first time listening, I'm going to sum it up real quickly. But if you get an opportunity uh, and you want to follow up on this, then check out that podcast. It's not necessary. I've talked to some people and they said, hey, this is kind of depressing. But uh, here's what was going on. My mom went in for stem cell treatment Uh, stem cell uh, replacement because she's got a cancer called multiple myeloma. This is going to be her second one, and uh, she had gone in uh, seven years earlier and done the first one. Uh, With this one, they were concerned about her heart, and uh, what ended up happening was her heart got a weird rhythm in it, and it caused her to basically her body to shut down. She was out. uh, She was in a coma for about three or four days, and then about uh, two weeks of not remembering or slowly gaining back her memory, Uh, not knowing who her family was. She didn't recognize us. uh, You know, there was it was a bunch of it was it was a lot of I'm going to say drama. which is really undercutting what it was, but it was it was very devastating at the time. But uh, to give you guys an update on everything, uh, my mom had gone to, my mom had started to recover. She was showing signs of recovery. She was remembering who we are. She was starting to have normal conversations. Uh, and then she went into outpatient for a while and for about three weeks. And as of today, I'm recording this on Saturday. You guys won't hear this probably until a week later. Uh, she is actually, uh, out of outpatient and she is going to stay with my sister and her family for, uh, a little while until she does a little bit more recovering, but she is remembering who we are. There's about a two week time frame that she just can't remember. Uh, she probably won't ever remember, but, um, she's, she's back. She is who she is, uh, and she remembers all of us and it's, uh, great. It's great news. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, the second update is, uh, I've been talking about the Sega Genesis Mini through a couple of different podcasts. It is now out, so if you've been curious about it, you've been wanting to get it, it is out now. And I don't know if it's, um, I've seen it on some podcasts or, um, some YouTube videos, but they have a Tower of Power set as well, so you can put a 32X, a Sega CD, uh, a Sonic Knuckles, and uh, it comes with a little pretend cartridge. I don't think it, they'd, they don't actually add anything to the system other than just additional plastic to add on to the Sega Genesis. So all the games and stuff that you get with the base unit are, <laughs> are not affected. Uh, but if you ever want to go out and do the Tower of Power, you want to get the Sega CD, the 32X, the Sonic and Knuckles attachments. Uh, you can you can do that in one pack. I have no idea what it costs, but it's out there. But the uh, the Sega Mini is out there. Uh, I've heard good reviews on the Sega Mini, and I've also heard good reviews on the RetroBit six button controllers. If you're so inclined to get that, and finally. Metal Storm. The pre-orders for Metal Storm are going on right now, and from all the stuff I'm reading, they're about halfway through their supply of the uh, Collector's Edition. Uh, I went and ordered the Standard Edition myself. 
there are three different ways you can get this game, and there are three different um, uh, three different companies that are doing this. So we have Retrobit, who's the initial group that's that's doing this release, and then we have Limited Run Games, and then you also have Castlemania Games. Uh, so Castlemania is is also going through Retrobit, but Limited Run is doing their own. And and depending on where you order your uh, game from, you get a different version cartridge. So some of them have like a, a see-through clearer cartridge. I think the one I'm getting is going to be um, a dark bluish purple color um, from Castlemania Games. So uh, if you've been looking for a way to play Metal Storm, and this is going to be the Japanese version. They've they've translated it to English, but this is the Japanese version. So in the English version, on the initial release, um, it was uh, they they cut out the intro, and so you you didn't really get much of a story. You just sort of started the game, and that was it. So with this, you do not only not only do you get the intro, but you get the full you know the full like part of the game. Plus, it's a little bit more challenging. So the Japanese version is a little bit harder than the English version. Uh, if you've never played it, it's already kind of a difficult game, but it's a really good game. So uh, just to let you guys know, Metal Storm pre-orders are going on right now, depending on where you want to go, Castlemania Games, Retrobit, or Limited Run Games. Uh, it's out there now. Pre-order as soon as you can, because if you're wanting that little statue, you're going to have to go for it. So that's going to be it for the updates. So this week's episode is called The Gear, and uh, from the episode that came out last week, I was talking about how I wanted to do a documentary and how I've been sort of acquiring pieces and stuff like that, and uh, today I went out and got the first bit of footage that I'll be using in the documentary. And uh, so it has officially begun, it has started. So I wanted to talk about a couple of things, but today I'm going to be going over the gear that I'm using to record this. Um, if you're someone who is wanting to start your own YouTube channel, or maybe you have a documentary sitting sitting deep in your heart somewhere, and uh, you don't know where to get equipment or how to do something on, on a shoestring budget, I'm going to share a little bit of, of how I've been getting the gear, what gear I have so far, and what my plans are for the future. I talked to Dave tonight, and uh, we are booked out uh, to start in October. So in about two weeks, I have my first interview that's going to be with Dave, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to capture, and uh, I'm 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 just really now I'm now things are finally coming together. I'm really excited to see what happens, and I'm really excited to just sit down and and. Um, put this together. So uh, while I am shooting the documentary, I am also doing a vlog. Now, um, I've been thinking about this for a long time. It's uh, one of those things that I think could really help. Um, so the big question with some of this is that all this has been, all, all the pieces of gear that I've been putting to get th together and all of this stuff, you know, it's been coming out of pocket. And, um, I mentioned in the last podcast that I save up a little and then buy something and then save up a little and then buy something. Um, and I will continue to do that if there's a, you know, gear that I need. Um, but I think I'm going to go ahead and open up my Patreon. Now, I'm not opening it quite yet. Um, 
but it is out there. It is available. If you are someone who wants to be an early backer, you, you're welcome to go. It's uh, patreon.com slash retro reprise. But what I would like to do is cut a promo. Uh, so I want to get some more filming done. And the filming that I, I want to do will probably take me through December before I actually get um, get to work on the promo itself. But yeah, it's just going to be like a, a little movie trailer um, and kind of at the end say, hey, support this at patreon.com slash retro reprise. Uh, but I've been really thinking about the tier groups and everything that I'm going to do. And uh, here's what my idea is. And if you think I should do something different, uh, then hit me up on Twitter, at Retro Reprise, or you can send me an email if you have a better idea, and that's going to be uh, Retro Reprise at ProtonMail.com. So here's the plan. Um, right now I'm shooting a blog, or I'm sorry, I'm shooting a vlog simultaneously while I'm doing the documentary. I'll set some cameras up, and uh, like today I was doing a lot of time-lapse photography so I could, you know, sit back and talking to another camera. I have another camera that's a little bit more vlog-friendly. I can put it in my pocket, open it up, and talk to people really quickly. Just quick little shots of filming and, and then move on. Uh, so I'm going to put together a vlog, and I want to get uh, some, of the, some of the vlog put together before I actually officially launch the, uh, the Patreon. Uh, I want to make sure that there's content on there and it's ready to go, but it's essentially going to end up being, you know, me talking about how I'm putting the movie together. It's almost like, think of it as DVD extras that are um, coming out as the movie is being made. Uh, instead of, you know, getting it all when you buy the movie, since the movie's not for sale, you're, you're by you investing into this project, you're getting the behind the scenes as it's being done. So you can get that by just going in. And what I'm thinking is that's going to be like the dollar tier that gets you in the door. You get to see what's going on. You can participate. Um, and then uh, what I was thinking was maybe a $10 tier from there. And what a $10 tier is going to get you is uh, while I'm editing and putting these things together, I'm going to put together two, you know, very different cuts. So I'm going to have the raw interview completely the way it, it was, you know, filmed before editing and then uh, provide the an edited version of that interview that will uh, be in the documentary itself. So uh, you're getting you're getting the full scope. The the full unedited stuff is going to be things that you probably don't want to you don't really care to see all that much. Uh, so I'm still determining whether that's going to be what I do, That's the, if that's the direction I go in. But uh, if there's maybe funny stories or something that can't make it into the movie for whatever reason, then, um, you know, it'll be there. So, uh, but that's going to be more polished footage than the, the vlogs are. The vlogs are just, they're shot on like a point and shoot, but it's got like a flip screen on it so I can see myself and kind of address you guys uh, very easily. Uh, so that's going to be a $10 tier, and then I'll have a $50 tier, and that's going to put you as a Patreon backer uh, in, in the credits of the movie. And then if you go for $100, uh, then that is going to be an executive producer credit on the movie. 
So I think that's the way I'm going to break my tier list down. Um, and uh, so at $1, everybody can come in. My whole thing is that all of this is being done on a shoestring budget. And if you can toss out a dollar, um, then awesome. And if you can toss out a little bit more, like I said, at the $10 tier, you'll get put together footage. You're going to kind of see how this is starting to come together before everybody else. So from 10 on up, uh, well, you'll get that kind of footage. Uh, and then 50 and 100 get you guys into the movie as far as uh, credits are concerned. So uh, hopefully that's something that's uh, workable for people and they, they like that. But if you're someone who is listening to this and you're like, man, I, I really couldn't give any cash to this thing. Uh, don't worry, because that's extra bonus good stuff if I can do that. I mean, there's there's additional equipment that I'd like to get that um, I don't have to have in order to get this done. Um, and that was the other thing that I wanted to kind of make clear, is that either way, whether I get support on Patreon or not, this movie's getting done either way. Um, with Patreon support, I can probably do things a little bit better I can have a little bit better gear. I can do things like buy an actual light box. Right now, I'm, I've got a lighting rig that's um, pretty janky. I'm not going to lie. But it works, and I can use it. And uh, uh, it's not a real lighting rig. <laughs> it's it's uh, one of those clip-on lights that you can get at uh, Walmart, some parchment paper, and uh, I do have a light stand. So that's it. Uh, but, you know, if, if I'm able to accumulate a little little cash together to put together a light box that I could actually take with me, uh, then, you know, money is going to go towards things like that and getting the light box or, um, you know, one of the, a big thing is that I, I've really been looking at my editing that, I, that I've got, my editing capabilities. I've got an old 2004 version of Final Cut. I've got a 2009 MacBook Pro and uh, I can edit and put things together with that. But, uh, you know, if, if it happens, you know, if I can get a, a little bit of money together, uh, I could go buy a, a decent desktop, a gaming computer, essentially, like a really cheap gaming computer, and just make that an editing computer. And uh, what I'd like to do is switch over to uh, DaVinci Resolve, uh, because there's a lot more stuff I could do with it. Uh, the movie could be in higher definition. Um, and my color correction options are a lot better with that. Uh, but like I said, as of right now, with everything that I have, I can film and this is going to go forward. Uh, the, the stuff that would happen on Patreon is to make it better and invest in better equipment to raise the production value. But I think at the production value that I will be doing this at, that it should be very acceptable. So... Uh, but currently, with the current setup I have, I can I can have a really decent 720p movie. Uh, the best that this version of Final Cut that I have can do is 1080i, and I just won't do interlaced video. Uh, it's nasty looking, and the, it causes my computer to just cry. It just doesn't like it. So, um, yeah, those are some of the plans, and uh, if I if I do start receiving any kind of funding through Patreon, then I'm going to let you guys know what that's going to, you know, Hey, I raised so much money. Here's what it's going to. 
but yeah, there's always little things that, that I need to go by. I've got uh, music picked out for the soundtrack. Um, and the company that I like to use is uh, MelodyLoops.com. And uh, their, their music is affordable compared to a lot of other companies. Uh, some are doing like a subscription basis where, you know, you pay them like $200 a year and you have an access to, you have access to all their library. These you get to download and have on your computer. So that's what I want. Uh, uh, and so I've got, like I said, I've got for some reason, like, like I'm such a big music guy. I've already got the music picked out for, for this. I'm already picturing scenes in my head, being in places, filming things and, um, yeah, I've already got the the music picked out, which is maybe that's crazy, maybe that's insane, but uh, I've been I've been listening to this little soundtrack that I've kind of put together. I guess I need to explain um, about music. So when you are working on something, if you're if you're not familiar with this, you know, trying to do things on on, on a production side, um, you can't just use your favorite music from your favorite artist. Uh, not unless you're going to pay, pay them licensing fees and, and things like that. And so you have to buy special music that, along with that music, you're also getting a contract that says you're, you're using this for production, you have the right to use it for production. Uh, so if you are putting a piece of, you know, if you're putting a video together, you can use this, this particular piece of music, and it's... Uh, it's not license-free. I can't remember the, the specific term, but essentially you have a license to use that music in any kind of production that you ha- you do. Um, the intro music to this show is done that way. Um, so I actually have a contract that frees me up of any kind of like copyright, um, uh, any lawsuit or anything like that for, for copyright because I have the right to use this song in production. As a result, when you're buying music like that, um, this isn't going to be like going onto iTunes and paying like a buck or a buck 50 for a song. The pieces of music that you're buying are going to be like, you know, uh, at least $20 or higher. Uh, but I go with melody loops for my music because they're a, a bit more affordable. And, um, I just sort of like the way the site's put together. It's very basic and, but you can preview all the music and it sounds pretty good. They put a little tone on it so you don't steal it. Uh, I've got tracks picked out and I've probably got about 90, 90 to a hundred dollars worth of music kind of just sitting in a cart. So, uh, what's great about it is like they, the more music you buy, the, the more that price drops sort of in total. So, um, uh, eventually I'd like to be able to, you know, maybe, maybe Patreon could do that. That would be nice. Uh, but like I said, uh, either way, if not, then I will save up money for a month or two and just put it on there uh, along with my other bills. So like I said, Patreon is, is not going to be something that I'm going to push very hard, uh, but I will talk about it. I will put it out there for people who I, I want people to be aware of it, but I also want people to understand that it's not, um, you know, it's not the only thing that you can do. Uh, word of mouth, passing this along to, to somebody else. Um, you know, when I start posting this stuff, uh, you know, share the YouTube video, share uh, the podcast. Um, if you know somebody who has an interesting story uh, and uh, about collecting, 
then share that with me. Um, it may, it, it may turn into something where I need to go and talk to them, uh, and, and include that in the movie. So there's, there's lots of stuff that people can do just the financial side. It's one of those weird things to talk about. Uh, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about, but, um, I'm going to put it out there. There will be a Patreon. I do have the Patreon site, uh, for retro reprise. I got that a long time ago when I was, working on branding and all that stuff. So whenever you whenever you start a project or if you're doing something where you you are going to be on the internet, you want to have as many of your name as possible. So I have I have retroreprise.com. I own the .com. I don't actually have a website even though I could put one together. I might I might need to do that. I might put that together for this project. Um just to make it easier for people to go to. Like go to retroreprise.com. Um, and I've, I picked up the Patreon as well, but any kind of social media that I'm aware of, I go out and do that. So if there's something that I think I'll be using, I will, I will use the, I will sign up for it with retro reprise. So it's a little pro tip for you. If you're, if you're going to try to start a YouTube channel or you're wanting to start a blog or a vlog or something like that, and you're wanting to establish some branding, you know, start, uh, not only think about that, but do some research and look up, uh, make sure those aren't Twitter handles or a Facebook page or something that's already out there. So if you can do that, uh, you can, you know, kind of take your little corner of the internet. So I spent more, a lot more time talking about Patreon than what I wanted to. But uh, yeah, I started filming for the documentary and I also started filming for the vlogs that will be on the Patreon uh, page. So... What I wanted to get into, and uh, again, not a lot of people may be interested in this, but the equipment, the gear that I've been putting together, um, this is good information, especially for someone on a shoestring budget, um, or if you're like me, everything's coming out of pocket. So the gear that I've been putting together to do this. So uh, I'm going to start off with something super simple. Uh, I posted this on Twitter and on Fa- or Twitter and um, Instagram. Uh, I have a cheap journal. I have two of these. I'm actually referencing one right now for the podcast, and then I have one that I have for the uh, documentary. Uh, but it's a little—it's just a little cheap journal. Um, it's like got some sort of paper as leather kind of cover and an elastic band that fits around it. But it's got a bookmark, so I can keep my place and know where I'm at. That's super handy because that's where all my ideas are at. Um, all the questions that I'm going to ask, my contact list of the people who I need to speak to, um, any kind of... Uh, I've got everything in there. Testing results, uh, camera settings, audio settings, uh, all that stuff I keep in that book. So if I ever forget something, I always have that book to reference to. Uh, but I'll also just jot down ideas, you know, um, where to go to next, who to talk to, uh, all of that stuff is in that book, and I'm constantly updating and, and writing more in there. You know, when it's time for me to sit down and have an interview with somebody and I've got some questions prepped, they're going to be in that book. So I'll be I'll be using that book quite a lot. Uh, the other one I use is a pocket. I think it's called a bullet pocket journal. And these are fantastic. These are my favorite. So it's a cardboard cover, uh, and it's probably maybe got 50 pages in it. And it comes with a, uh, all the books come with this paper, like little sticker tabs that you can put on the, the edges of it so you can 
keep your place. But uh, this is where my shot ideas are. So um, when I'm out shooting, I'll have a list of things to shoot, uh, a list of things that I want to get um, shots of, and I'll just mark them off as I'm shooting. And if I get any other ideas while I'm there, I jot them down in the book and I go take that shot and then uh, move on. Uh, so those are two very important pieces. And my third one is my uh, space pen. <laughs> I have a space pen because I'm left-handed and uh, regular ballpoint pens uh, jam up just because I think, well, I'm using a cheap journal, so it's probably cheap paper. So there's probably like mucilage and stuff that gets jammed in the ballpoint. Well, uh, a space pen doesn't jam and you can write from any angle. You can write while it's wet. You can do all sorts of stuff. So uh, that's my, my space pen's the most expensive piece <laughs> of those three pieces of equipment. And they're very important pieces of equipment. Um, so if you're, if you're anybody who does anything kind of creative, you come up with an idea. Uh, I always carry that book with me. It's always with me. I take it to work. It's just one of those things that I I will not leave behind because it's got so much valuable. It's it's just so valuable to me. It really lets me get my ideas down. But I do use one for this podcast. In fact, I'm I'm referencing the list that I just wrote down not too long ago so I could talk to you guys about it. I always do at least some bullet points so I can, uh, you know, talk. So. <clears throat> That's the first thing. At least get some, get your ideas on paper, get your ideas down somewhere so you can reference back to them. That's that's the first thing that I do. Uh, but let's talk. It's about more of the fun type of gear uh, that that I'm using. So my camera, my main camera, the camera that I'll be using to shoot most of this with, is going to be a Canon EOS M. This is a camera that came out in 2013. Um, it's an early um, mirrorless camera. And you can get the body on Amazon for about 150 bucks. Thing is, you can update the software or the firmware on it, and uh, you can go with neutral profile, color profile. So if you're editing in a fancier editing bay than I am, it, you can do like a true neutral color and um, color correct it in the system. I don't anticipate myself doing a lot of color correction unless I do happen to hit like a, a high tier and can get a computer to do color correction with. So uh, I've, I've having to adjust my filming style a little bit. So I won't be filming in the exact raw files uh, in the... Uh, there's sort of a uh, sort of a dull color profile that's out there that's designed so you can really color correct it and make it as vivid as you want. Uh, I won't be doing that unless that happens, unless I can get a, a computer to do that. The Canon colors, and this is part of the reason why I went with Canon. Canon's skin tones uh, are just fantastic, just on its own, and so that's why I kind of picked that camera. There are other cameras in that same price range that you could go for, but the reason why I went with Canon, uh, why I went with the ESOM, one, it was, of course, affordable. Two, it's very compact. It's a very compact uh, camera. And th the big thing for me was the Canon color science. And this does not disappoint. The, the colors look fantastic on it. So that's why I went with that camera. Uh, the other pieces to that. I've got a, uh, <clears throat> I've got a couple lenses for the camera. 
I've got a 35 milliliter, millimeter, milliliter, you can't drink the lens. Uh, I've got a 35 millimeter lens uh, that is just gorgeous. I get those nice blurry backgrounds. I can get a, a blurry foreground. I mean, it's just, it's great. Uh, but it's not a native Canon lens. I do have to lock the shot down and... Um, focus on my own, do my own focus for it. And, but it's great. It's like a, I think it's like a 1.6 F, um, which if you're not familiar with, with camera stuff and, and this is stuff I was still learning at the time while I was buying the equipment, uh, your, your F, I think it's your F stop is what it's referring to is, uh, and I don't even know what that, I don't even know what the F stands for. I don't, it's not focus. It's something else, but uh, depends on how much light is, comes into the, to the lens and the higher the number, the less light comes into it. So if you can stick around the, you know, 1.4 to 1.8 range, uh, that's a lot of light that can come into the camera. And so that means you can use that lens in, um, low lit situations, which I will be in, uh, you're going over to somebody's house on location and, I'll take a little bit of a lighting rig with me, but for the most part, um, I'll be relying on a lot of, you know, the house lighting. Um, one, because it's just sort of natural, but you do need to have some sort of lighting solution. So this camera can shoot in low light. Uh, the video quality is really good. And um, yeah, that's really all you need as far as as far as your, your camera is concerned. But I did go a little extra. So a few weeks ago, I also got a GoPro Hero 7. Now I did this for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, there may be some, some movement that I would like to capture. And the Canon uh, EOS M has no, especially with the lenses I'm using, has no kind of uh, stabilization. So if I were to pick that camera up and just hold it, even just the slight bit of me holding it, you would see a camera shake. So it's going to be locked down on a tripod. But if I want to be outside and capture establishing shots and things like that, well, I've got a GoPro Hero 7 that I can do that with. And um, that's what I was out there doing this morning. I was capturing some video on that, and I actually uh, got home and transcoded. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, or people who are... Uh, Editors of video, uh, editors of videos that uh, are more recent. If you've got like um, a more recent <laughs> video editing uh, suite, then transcoding may be a foreign concept to you. But for those of us who only work with old crap, uh, what transcoding is um, is that you have to the the files that the cameras record in the editing station. For me, it's like Final Cut 2004. Uh, does not recognize that type of file. So I have to take another program and I have to change the file format. So it has to re-render the video in a completely different format that's readable to the editor. So I have to transcode from um, your standard like MP4 file to uh, what's called the Apple Intermediate Codec. And uh, you have to know your frame rates, you have to know your bit rates in order for that to process correctly. Otherwise, it will look terrible. 
Uh, so that's what I did today. I went out and shot. I got my first shots, uh, and it was uh, time-lapse videos. I got a sunrise and a sunset, and I captured them both on my iPhone, and then I got another shot simultaneously with the uh, GoPro Hero 7. Both do the time-lapse. So uh, when I got the, the videos home, the first thing I do is create a folder, create files lists and stuff like that, and then I transcode those files. So I've got a file where I keep the raw um, the raw data, uh, just in case I do happen to, to get another editor in time. Uh, but if not, I've got a whole another set of files that are that are exactly the same as, as the raw files uh, that are transcoded for the final cut. Uh, system so I can go in there and edit without having to render every three seconds. So that's what transcoding is. <clears throat> like I said, my stuff's old. But most modern editors these days don't even, like the transcoding isn't even a thing. It, it just automatically translates that information from input to output. So it's not something you have to worry about normally. Um, but for in my case, because I'm running on such old uh, old hardware, uh, I have to transcode ahead of time, so I have to take another program and change that file size and cha or change the file type to do that, and it has to render out. Otherwise, editing would take years. <laughs> if I didn't do it, every time I made a cut, it would require me to render, and rendering eats up processing time and processing period. And so even like a three-second clip would take, you know, five to six seconds to render. So that's why you transcode ahead of time. But that's just for older stuff. That's just kind of what I use. Uh, but moving on. So yeah, I'm using a GoPro Hero 7. There's a couple reasons why I'm doing it. So um, one of the things that the Canon camera does is it shoots in 1080p, 24 frames per second, which is uh, your 24 frames per second is film is your film FPS. And I have no idea why it looks so good, but it looks good. Like, it looks like a television show. When I have been out testing it and, you know, sitting and doing an interview in, you know, just, you know, a room, like a regular room light with a lav mic on and talking into it, you know, if I threw on some music underneath it, it would look like a television station had come in and shot the video. That's how good it is. So that's why I'm using that camera. Well, the other the thing why I got the GoPro Hero 7 is because it also shoots in 24 1080p 24 frames. Uh, so when I do need to have a moving shot or, you know, an establishing shot that's outside, the GoPros don't do very well in low light, but they do fantastically well in in your regular daylight. And so most of my establishing shots will probably be done on a GoPro Hero 7, while the interview itself is going to be on the Canon EOS M. Uh, and then I do have a couple of backup cameras uh, if I need to use them. I've got a uh, GoPro Hero 3, uh, and, and I also have this gimbal that is for cell phones, but I, I have an attachment to put a GoPro on it. So I can put that GoPro Hero 3 on there, use the gimbal, move around and get some good moving shots if I need them. Uh, but I also filmed the time stop stuff with my phone in that gimbal uh, just to see what the footage would look like. Honestly, the phone does not look as good as the GoPro, but I got some a little bit more interesting shots. So I'm, I'm going to have to make some decisions. Uh already with the first shot that I've that I've done uh, is trying to figure out which sunrise to use because both of them have 
some pretty decent footage that's pretty cool to look at. But yeah, GoPro is going to be the other camera. These Hero 7 I'm going to be using because it also uses 24 frames. So it looks fantastic. Uh, the other cameras that I have, like I said, is the GoPro Hero 3. And then I have this uh, is a GoPro knockoff. It's by a company called Ekin or Ekin. Um, you can find them on Amazon, but they're cheap action cameras. Uh, and so this this Ekin camera is probably about the same as the GoPro Hero 3 as far as its time frame that it was constructed, but it doesn't have uh, the options that the GoPro cameras offer you. So that camera is set to wide, and it's, it's just a wide-angle lens, and it's just going to be record in wide-angle, where with the GoPros, with the Hero 3 and the Hero 7, um, you can narrow down the field of view to where it looks like a normal camera shot without distorting the sides like a fisheye lens. This camera, this little action camera, just does the fisheye lens thing. And uh, it only can record in like 30 frames or 60 frames. And I think the Hero 3 only does 30 to 60. But the 7 does 24, 30 frames, 60 frames, 120 frames, and then 240 frames. But... <laughs> 240 frames requires a different uh, video playback. So MP4 is what most videos are played back in. I believe this is MP5. Oh no 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 no! I'm thinking I'm thinking the wrong thing. So it's uh, H.264 is the normal playback. But the, with the 240 frames, if you were to to try to watch it on your computer, unless you had special software downloaded or updated codecs to, to run it. Uh, it runs in H2 or H.265, which is a new file format that compresses the image differently. So there's a lot more when you're recording at 240 or yeah, 240 frames, that's a huge file difference. So it takes these huge files and compresses them down. Uh, so if you and most computers, most phones, most devices don't have ways of playing these back. And I didn't know that. I was trying to play around with it. And I couldn't get it to work. So I was like looking it up, and I found I found uh, a couple of videos of people explaining why, uh, even though your GoPro Hero Seven can record in 240 frames per second, which would be fantastic slow motion, it would look so good. Um, most computers. Most devices can't play it back because they don't have that codec in there to play it or that file format. So um, I won't be using that, and I can't use 120 either because uh, my final my version of Final Cut just it just potatoes out at that. Even if I transcode it out to like 24 frames, it doesn't matter. It just it it will just potato. It just is, is like nope. Best you can do is 60 frames. Anything further than that, I'm going to distort the hell out of the image. So these were things that I was testing and trying before I started filming. I just wanted to see how the equipment would work. But yeah, I tried those. I tried filming in high f uh, frame rates. That's another thing if I'm able to get a computer. Um, not that I'm pushing that. I'm just saying uh, if I had another computer and was using uh, uh, some different software, some more modern software, I could film in 120 and possibly 240 and come up with some really crazy slow motion, but it's a documentary. There's not a whole lot that I need to film in, in slow motion. So, uh, there's really no need for it, but that's not to say that it couldn't be something cool, uh, that I could do with it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 
so that's the camera side of things. So now I want to move on to audio. So as good as the video is going to look, I'm really excited on getting to filming uh, on stuff. Honestly, I can get away with some pretty bad visuals as long as the audio itself is solid. And I've spent more time researching uh, audio gear than I have camera gear, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, so let's get into some of the audio. So the first thing I want to talk about is the microphone. Uh, and I've, I lucked out when I got this mic and it's still out there and it's pretty cheap. There's a company called Power to Wise. I've never heard of them before, but at the time they were the, the best quality lavalier mic and, uh, what a lavalier mic is. It's a lapel mic. That's the one that you see on television. People have clipped their ties or on the side of their coat or right underneath their neck if they're wearing a t-shirt. There's this company and they make these lavalier microphones that are designed to fit in your cell phone. Uh, so if you were to do an interview, if you were to wear something and, and need a recorder, uh, you could use the recording your recording software on your cell phone, plug this into, directly into your cell phone and have amazing quality audio. Uh, record it on your phone, and if you're, say, you're videotaping with a different device, uh, you could later sync that together. Uh, but the microphone sounds really, really good. It sounds like a very expensive lavalier mic. Well, I bought it, and it came with an adapter. So like I said, they're designed for cell phones. So the little mini, the mini plug for it is a tip ring ring sleeve which is for cell phones. Cell phones use that because the two rings, so each, when I say a tip ring ring sleeve, what that means is that there's a signal path for the tip, there's a signal path for the ring, and there's another signal path for the other ring. Uh, and so in cell phones, what that means is two of those, say the one ring is, is your left channel for audio, the other ring is your right channel for audio, and the tip is your microphone input. Um, so that's what that would mean. Well, when you take a device like that and you're trying to use it with a camera, the camera is set up with a more traditional tip ring sleeve or just a tip uh, or, or sleeve uh, uh, layout. So uh, that means you you won't get any audio from a microphone with that kind of plug on it. Like if you were to just plug it into a camera, it wouldn't work. But luckily they made an adapter that has a tip ring sleeve adapter that you can just plug directly into your camera. And so that's what I use. I have that adapter. I've plugged it into the camera. I've talked into it. it sounds okay. Uh, it sounds, sounds pretty good and I can use it. There's an, it comes with an extension cable as well. So, uh, if the cable that you have isn't long enough to reach the camera, you can add this extension to it and that, that can help. Uh, and like I said, it's got that adapter, so it'll actually fit into cameras. Well, it's, it's great for all of that, but uh, I really wanted to have as much as I could possibly. I started looking into a wireless system, and I was kind of like, I don't know if audio has caught up with cameras as far as being able to be small and compact and, and good quality, because any kind of consumer-level um, wireless microphones that I've worked with, and I've worked with quite a few, uh, don't really live up to the expectation. Uh, you know, I used to be a professional audio engineer. 
microphones, wireless microphones were my specialty. So I was using, you know, the Shure mics for a lot of stuff. And um, there were times where I would have to do a show and, you know, somebody would come to me with microphones that they had bought from I don't know where uh, and wanted me to get them to work. And I was like, they're just not going to work because they're not good. But while I was doing my research, I came across this little wireless device or a wireless system, I should say, from Rode, who makes pretty decent gear. So I have the Rode Wireless Micro, and I put these things through the test, through the ringer uh, the other night, and I was so impressed. So with that Rode, the transmitter, which is the microphone, uh, these are small, small boxes. Uh, they're just tiny little boxes. You can recharge them. Uh, they sync up to each other automatically. You don't have to do any kind of pokey jiggery to get them to work. It's They're, they're amazing. Uh, and anyway, I, I tried that out with... I paired that up with my Power to Wise um, lav microphone. And I was blown away with the audio. Low floor noise. High volume. Um, just... It was everything I wanted it to be. It was so much better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought, oh, I'm probably going to have to find a way to get through some interference or anything like that. Uh, like I said, with these consumer devices, yeah, usually you do. But uh, this this ran me about $200. Uh, my wife gave me a an early birthday present and paid for half of it. And so that's why I ran out and got it. Uh, but yeah, this thing is super cool and I can't wait to use it get people mic'd up like a pro and uh the the thing is with this with this thing is uh, w with its device the set so you have a a transmitter and you have a receiver so the transmitter is the microphone that whole unit can be used as a microphone or you can plug a lav mic in it and then use it as a belt pack super cool uh and the transmitter also can be clipped onto you or clipped onto a thing and that clip is small enough. I mean, they, they really thought about the design of this. Uh, the clip is small enough that it can fit into a camera shoe. So the top of the camera, that little silver, for those of you who, aren't, who don't know, the little silver piece that's on top of a, of a you know, a little bit more expensive camera, uh, it can fit in that. And then uh, you just run a cable from that to the, uh, the camera input. And you have a quick, easy... Uh, easily concealable uh, microphone set and it sounds amazing so I'm really impressed with Rode you guys have, have killed it for that still talking about audio still talking about uh, sound I also have a shotgun mic for the camera so this also fits in the camera shoe uh, this is what I'm going to use for uh, I plan on going to some conventions and interviewing people um, it, spending time loving them up is not going to be an option. I need to be able to ask them a question quickly and quickly get a response and, and record that right away. And, uh, I was really, really close to getting the Rode Video Micro. Uh, and I ended up going with another company called Movo. And the reason is because, uh, the Movo microphone has better bass response and has about, a, is about 6 dB louder than the uh, Rode Video Micro. And I I watched people, I call it the Pepsi Challenge. You guys heard me say it probably on the last podcast. Watched them do the Pepsi Challenge 
back to back with these microphones and uh, the Movo just sounded so much better, but it's cheaper and it sounds better and it's louder. You can't beat that. Um, and you know, Rode is the, is the, is the known brand, but this Movo mic is fantastic. Uh, and it comes with all the great accoutrements. So you get the dead cat, which is that fuzzy piece that goes on the microphones. It's got a shock mount, um, and it fits in the camera shoe and it's, it's compact enough that you can keep it on your camera and it's not going to bother anything. It's just a fantastic piece of gear. So that's my, uh, you know, when I'm sitting down with an interview setup. So I'll do, I'll use the road setup for that, uh, with the lav mic. And then I've got the shotgun mic that I can just attach to the camera while I'm out in public doing things that are a little bit more, uh, on the spot. Uh, but I do have one more piece of, uh, audio gear that I want to talk about. So all this is great. All this is fantastic, but the way the, the Canon EOS M is designed is not for, it's got video capabilities, but it wasn't really designed to be, a, a just a specifically a video camera. So uh, while it does have an audio input and, and stuff like that, uh, adjusting the settings on the camera itself is kind of gnarly. So when you're recording, you don't have access into the menu to adjust your recording levels. So you have to go into a completely separate menu, adjust your levels, and kind of keep your fingers crossed that the levels are good. So I, I spent a lot of time the other day um, getting the microphones set up the way I want them to and to see what the level looks like on the camera so I can trust <laughs> the the output while I'm recording. Uh, but for the first set of interviews at least, I'm also going to be setting up a, uh, a Zoom H1 recorder as well just because I just don't trust not being able to make adjustments on the fly. Uh, so... I'll have that set up as well, but these are these are real great um, recorders. You can they use a micro SD card. You've got so many settings that you can adjust to make them sound the way you want them to. Um, you can record in raw uh, wave file, or you can record in MP3. Uh, these are great if you're a podcaster. If you're anybody, if you're anybody doing any kind of video and you don't have an option like the Rode video micro available or your camera doesn't take an audio input and you have to sync your audio afterwards go do yourself a favor go get a Rode H1 uh, audio recorder they're about a hundred bucks and you really can't go wrong with it um, but I've had mine for probably about two years uh, Dave actually took it with him to uh, celebration the last celebration but didn't get to use it because I think he said security thought it was a taser <laughs> So, yeah, uh, there, there's two little, um, they're not even metal microphones. They're, they're like, uh, like chrome looking plastic, uh, but they're set up in an XY. The capsules are set up in an XY pattern, uh, kind of like how you would mic up. If, if you have any kind of engineering background with audio, that's how you mic up like, uh, an acoustic guitar. They're set up in an XY access pattern access. So, uh, you get left and right stereo. But uh, yeah, you could record that, dump that into your audio editor of choice, and uh, you know, use that as your podcast without having to take a bunch of equipment with you. It's very handy, and it does have a microphone input, so that same um, 
microphone that I was talking about before from the power device, I can just plug it into that directly and uh, record audio into that if I need to. Uh, there's so many great options that you can do with it. Uh, but yeah, that's my other audio option. That's really all the stuff that I've got for the documentary. For lighting, like I said, I've got a real cheap lighting setup. I've got a clamp light that I got from Walmart. And I need to go out and buy some parchment paper and some electrical tape. And that'll be diffusion for the light, and I'll stick that on. And I've got a, uh, I've got a light pole from Green Screen Backdrop that I bought a couple years back. And I'm going to use that for the lighting. It, it would be nice if I could actually get a light box and, you know, do that. But... Uh, I can I can kind of fake the lighting, and I, a lot more people fake lighting than what they say they do, and it's one of those things that you just don't want to spend money on. I know it sounds funny, but yeah, I, I really don't want to spend money on lighting, and so that's why I have what I have. But eventually, I'd like to get a ring light and a, a light box, uh, and those might be the next set of purchases. Uh, I'll need to see how this first wave of filming. Uh, inside Dave, Dave's kind of like me. He likes to leave the house kind of dark. So we'll have to, we'll have to brighten up, uh, the 2BT studio a little bit, uh, so we can see all the action figures and have a cool interview with Dave. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the equipment. I, I just wanted to let you guys know, uh, what it's like and, and what's out there. But uh, yeah, if you're shooting on a shoestring budget, these these items are within reach, is what I'll say. Like I said, I've had to save up a little, and then buy them. Uh, and if if you're like me and you and you're kind of in that you know financial situation where most of your money goes to your bills, I, and I think all of us are in that, <laughs> then uh, and you don't have a lot of extra spending money if you're trying to do something uh, video related and you want to have it at a certain level before you get started. Um, I played around with point-and-shoots and all sorts of different types of cameras just to see if I could, you know, get away with it on the cheap, and I've found that you really can't, you really can't do it. Um, you're going to have to use a, a bit pricier camera, and um, but like I said, this Canon EOS M, 2013, it was hot stuff. Uh, and it's not now, so I'm. That's how I get by with it. I'm buying older equipment to do what I'm doing. But uh, there's nothing wrong with it. There's a hack that you can do on on the firmware to get it to shoot in 2.4K. I'm not gonna do that because that's gonna uh, overheat the camera. But uh, that's how really how uh, how versatile this camera is. You can you could hack it and it could technically record in 2.5 2.4K. Uh, if you really wanted to do that. So for $150, that's pretty good because uh, otherwise you're going to be spending probably 7 on up for a camera that shoots in 4K if that's what you really want to do. And uh, trust me, your computer's not going to love 4K. So that's going to be it. I'm sort of just rambling now. Um, but I want to thank you guys for joining me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, if you want to support the project, you can go to patreon.com slash retro reprise. Uh, I would say don't do it yet, but you're welcome to if you want to. Uh, I do want to get the promo put together, and that's probably not going to happen until January or February. Uh, because 
there is there's a convention that I want to get to in January, and so by that time, I think I should have some things filmed and put together and edited together to to create this project. So that's when the official launch, I think, of the Patreon will happen. Uh, but I want to make sure I've got some actual um, material, some some actual things of value on the Patreon before I push it. But it's out there. Like I said, uh, patreon.com slash retro reprise if you want to check that out. Uh, if you want to support the, the documentary in a different way and you know somebody who right now I am looking for somebody who has uh, had some issues with collecting, uh, had some problems. They know that they've had some problems. They've had to make some life adjustments and are willing to talk about that. Then let me know. Uh, you can reach me at retro reprise at protonmail.com so that's going to wrap it up guys thank you so much for joining me and I will see you next week Retro Reprise is hosted and produced by Adam S.L. published by nerdylegion.com Visit youtube.com forward slash retro reprise. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at retro reprise. For business inquiries, email the show at retro reprisal at gmail.com. Game over.